Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. If you have your Bibles, I want to ask you to turn over to Genesis 31. And I don't want to give a whole lot of introduction because I already explained that to you all, so I'm not going to explain that again either. Some of you uh, know what I'm talking about. I don't want to get caught up in too much of an introduction or a recap. Uh, but in the last message in our study, we again saw with Jacob uh, this one that God has chosen, the one that God has chosen, that there's been no calling on God, there's been no faithful pursuit of God, there's been no faithful pursuit of God's wisdom. And he finds himself in a place where he's running to where God told him to go, but he's not doing it in pursuit of God. He's not doing it in fear of God, but he's doing it in fear, period. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. And before we uh, jump into this, I do want to give a little bit of a recap or kind of what we're, we're doing. Uh, we're, we're in this study called Life, and, and we're looking at the lineage, the life, and the legacy of Joseph. And so to understand somebody and to really understand their life and and their legacy, I think that you kind of know, have to know where they came from. And so that's what we've been doing for the last several weeks. We've just been studying uh, specifically Joseph's father, who is Jacob. And uh, so Jacob has got his wives. He's got a couple of extra ladies uh, along with his wives uh, because of the, the, the kids situation. And he has 11 kids and four ladies that he's now running back to his father's land. Uh, again, in fear of his father-in-law. His father-in-law is also his uncle, and they, his uncle has been pursuing Jacob and now has caught up to Jacob. And that's kind of where our study, our story uh, brings us to this morning. And we're going to kind of see this interaction of uh, Laban, his father-in-law, and Jacob uh, now that he's caught up with him and uh, see what God has for us in this. So let's pray and we'll get into this. Father, thank you for this time again. We thank you for uh, just filling our cups already. Um, it's been such a, a blessed morning uh, in Sunday school hour, in the new members class, uh, and even this morning, the opportunity that we have to, uh, we've had to worship you through song, and even to, to give to you just tangible uh, portions of what you've blessed us with in this earth as well. And I got all of these things in our, in our hearts as, as worship to you. And now, as we open your word, I pray that you would um, just reveal to us what it is that we need. Lord, you know where every person is in their life in this place this morning, and you know what we all stand in need of. And so whether it's an encouragement, whether it's a reminding of something, whether it's a challenge or a conviction in, in an area or in several areas, God, just have your way. I pray that your spirit would move and that through all of this, you alone would be glorified because you're the only one that deserves the glory. Um, so I, I pray that you just use me as a vessel and that what is spoken is what you want spoken alone. And we'll praise you for that, Lord. Again, if there is someone in this place that has never placed their faith in Jesus Christ, they've never understood uh, that their sin had a penalty, a judgment on their head, a condemnation uh, that was going to take them to an eternal death, separated from you forever, and torments, and realize that you sent your only son to pay for that, to take their place, and they've never, therefore, given their life to you, knowing that you not only died for their sins and paid the penalty for their sins, but you rose again to give life to all who would believe. And so um, if there's someone in, that, in this place like that, Lord, I, I just pray that you'd move their heart. Before they leave, they would, they would reach out and they would say, what do I have to do to be saved? How, how can I go to heaven when I die? And we'll praise you for that as well. Uh, we ask and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So... Um, it's interesting to me when, again, we look at Jacob and, and he's in this place where he's running in fear of his life, basically. Um, we'll see that in just a second. Uh, but when I look at what Jacob was doing and I kind of consider where we are at in, as a society or a culture here in America, I, I think it's so interesting that we have so much to do or dealing with fear itself. And I think that we live in an irony concerning fear. Uh, even in the church, think about this. Even recently, there's songs that have come out, fear is a liar. Uh, we're no longer slaves to fear. And the struggle, uh, the worry, the fear, the anxiety that grips so many people, again, is, is, is prevalent in our culture. It's real. It's not something pretend. It's not something that uh, you can spiritualize. Even I think there's a spiritual aspect to things. But 
Uh, it's a real thing in our, in our world. I also understand there's a physiological aspect to all of this. There's a chemical, hormonal um, aspect, and there, there, there are imbalances that happen in people's lives, and it happens through various things, the various ways. It happens through accidents. It happens through traumas. It happens through drastic changes in life. Uh, we see it even in, in military and other areas where people are dealing with PTSD. It's real. This is a real thing that, that we deal with in our culture. But here's the irony. We deal with all these struggles and battle against worry and fear and anxiety and, 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 and all this, but in our culture, we have movies, we have video games, we have amusement parks, we have an, a day on October 31st assigned to stirring fear, to stirring anxiety and, and, and all that. Again, I, I look at this irony. The irony is also that we live in a culture here in America where it's filled with pressure, pressure for success in the world's eyes. So you're not successful if you don't have this or you don't do this or people don't know you for this. Again, pressure for money, pressure for stuff. And so it builds. What builds? The irony, the irony and the fear and, and all these things in our life. We often battle something and its rule in our lives all the while cultivating its place in our life through various facets of our life. And people go see a movie and they'll sit on the edge of their seat and battle worry and fear and anxiety in other, other areas. We fear failure because of what the world says, what others say. We fear, fear missing out that other people have or are getting something that we don't have or that we're not getting. We fear that we're not keeping up with what everybody else is doing or what everybody else has. Again, we fear so many wrong things and it ends up driving our lives and people begin to be captivated by certain things. People fear things concerning their health. They, they fear things concerning their kids. They, they, they're, they're anxious about so many things in this world today. And with all of this, it's clear that we see that fear produces a particular fruit. We see that when we operate in improper fear, that our mind, our heart, even our mouth, our words, and therefore our decisions ref reflect that particular fruit in many areas of our life. And so in our study, this is what we're going to see this morning. I want to look at the interaction between Laban, again, who is now caught up with Jacob, and uh, see what, what, what the, the, the story is here with Jacob. Again, he's running, and, and, and he's not pursuing God. He's going to where God has told him to go, but he's not running in pursuit of God. And so if you have your Bibles in Genesis 31, look in verse 26. If you don't have that, it's okay. It's on the screen. It says, Laban said to Jacob, What hast thou done, that thou hast stolen away unawares to me, and carried away my daughters as captives taken with the sword? Wherefore didst thou flee away secretly? Why'd you leave? Why'd you run away secretly and steal away from me? And you didn't tell me that I might have sent thee away with mirth and with songs and with tabernacles and with harp. I could have thrown a party for you. But why'd you leave secretly and you haven't suffered me to kiss my sons and my daughters? And look what Laban says. Thou hast now done foolishly in so doing. I said, what's the big deal with that? I mean, we knew that Jacob left, that, that Jacob... Was, was trying to sneak away from his father-in-law, and he was, he, he, was, he was trying to get away without his father-in-law knowing. And, and if you were here, you know that Rachel also went into her father's house, Laban's house, and stole his idols. He, the, she stole these false gods that Laban had relied upon in his, in his, uh, in his sin, in his paganism, uh, for protection. He relied upon these idols. Now, Rachel goes in, steals the idols, runs away. Well, Laban discovers that his idols are gone, that his whole family's gone, and again, he pursues after Jacob and all of his family. And this is where we find ourselves, where God has intervened and said to, to Laban, don't say anything bad, don't say anything good to Jacob. He's mine, leave him alone. But here we find this, there's something screaming back here. Thank you, sir. See, Brother Jeffrey was pushing buttons up here the other day and ticking was going on, now they're screaming. Anyways, uh, sorry about that. Um, but again, we see in our story that as Laban is not saying anything bad, not saying anything good, he's just addressing the issue with, with Jacob. Notice this, that even a pagan, Laban, a pagan, realizes that Jacob was acting in foolishness. You see that? A pagan, 
he didn't have faith in God. He, he wasn't following God's word. He wasn't following God's way. But he realized that here Jacob is, and Jacob had done something foolishly. I said, yeah, but he was, he was noticing he was doing something foolishly because it was personal to him. But I, I want to ask a couple questions this morning about this. What was the root? If, if, if it's obvious that he was acting foolishly, it's obvious that Laban, a pagan, can see that Jacob was acting foolishly. What was the root of this? Why was he acting like, like this? So much so that a pagan would see the foolishness in someone that was chosen by God. Why was it so evident? Why was this foolishness so evident in Jacob's life? Look at verse 29. It's in the power of my hand to do you hurt. This is Laban talking. But the God of your father spake unto me yesternight, last night, saying, Take thou heed that thou speak not to Jacob either good or bad. And now... Though thou wouldest needs be gone, because thou sore longest after thy father's house, yet wherefore hast thou stolen my gods? Look, I understand that you want to go back, you want to be where your, your father is and all this kind of stuff, but tell me this, why'd you steal my gods? Jacob answered and said to Laban, because I was afraid. Isn't that interesting? He didn't, he didn't say, look, I didn't steal your gods. He, he, he just... He answers the reason why he snuck away and the reason why he left is because he was afraid. Because I said, for adventure, thou wouldst take us by force, thy daughters, from me. It's so interesting because I, I, I look at this story so far and it seems like Jacob can just mess up and mess up and mess up and God continues to give grace. But the reality, again, as I've said before, when we look at our lives, that's the story of our lives. I mean, we can try to be pious and say that we don't, because, but we, we do. We mess up. We fall short so often as the chosen of God as well. God gives us these opportunities. But Jacob here had no reason to be operating in fear. Look what God had done in his life. Look at the opportunities that God had afforded to Jacob because he had chosen Jacob. Why was he having to operate in fear? But look at this. Fear was driving him. And what it produced was foolishness. Foolish decision-making. He was running in fear. He was hiding. He, his wife was stealing gods that he didn't know about. I mean, all this stuff was going on, and his fear was driving foolishness. And so point number one, if you have your notes there, is fear produces folly. Every time, fear produces folly. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1. I want to read several verses here. It says, My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with you, so that thou incline thine ear to wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord. So you, you see what's going on here? Proverbs, Solomon, given his wisdom, he says this, if you pursue, if you seek after the things that only God gives, wisdom, knowledge, understanding. And if you search after these things with everything you have as, as a priceless treasure, then at that point, you'll understand what fearing God is and find knowledge of God. Verse 6, because the Lord gives wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. It's from God that these things come. And look what he says in verse 7. He lays up sound wisdom for the righteous, and he's a shield, he's a buckler to them that walk uprightly. So go back and look at Jacob. What was Jacob doing? Jacob was running in fear of man and not putting his confidence in God, not seeking God, not seeking God's wisdom. Remember what I said in the beginning? He hadn't asked God for anything, hadn't pursued God for anything, he hadn't trusted God for anything. He was running in fear of what his father-in-law was going to do for him. And so he was captivated, captivated in that fear and in that fear making foolish decisions when God had everything he needed to even guard against the fear of mankind. Again, as the Almighty God, the Almighty God not commanded and been with Jacob so far, and yet he feared one man. Think about that. The God that, that, that spoke and all of creation is formed, the God that, 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 that protected Jacob and, and, and provided for him all of these things and all along the way, again, in spite of all the failures that Jacob has, has, has done, God showing him grace, God doing all these things for Jacob. And now in this moment, he's making decisions that are foolish because he's fearing man and not fearing God. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord alone is the beginning of wisdom. 
Again, what does fear produce? Folly, foolishness. And so if our fear is misplaced, it's put in, in other things, or it's captivating our lives, and we're not having fear of God, then it's the opposite in our life that's produced from what we need. We produce folly versus wisdom. When we fear man, we fear things, we fear other stuff, foolishness. When we fear God, wisdom. Again, wisdom, of course, is the opposite of foolishness. So, our only hope, the only thing that we have hope for is to trust and fear the Lord. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, a very familiar scripture to many of you. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to your own understanding and in all your ways, not most of your ways, not some of your ways, not a couple of your ways, not in the ways that you're comfortable of trusting God. No, no, no. In all your ways, look to him, acknowledge him, and he will. That's a promise. He will direct your path. Not, well, well I, I'm really looking to God and acknowledging God in this area of my Bible study and, and, church, and, and, and church involvement and this and that. But when it comes to my job and money, I, I just it's a hard thing to, no, no. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll direct your paths. And then look what he says in verse 7. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't try to think that you know more than God. What an amazing statement that is, a presumptuous statement, that we could actually think we could know more than God. Yeah, but I need an answer right now. Who says? Right? Thank you for two amens. <laughs> Who says I need the answer now? Who says that? Well, I, I did. What's making you do that? Look, he says this. Don't use your own wisdom, but fear the Lord. Have reverence for God. Have respect for God and his timing and his wisdom and the things that he offers and the things that he promises to those that seek him. And depart from evil. It should be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. If we skip down to verse 25, it says, Be not afraid of sudden fear, sudden terrors, things that, that, that captivate our lives, neither of the desolation of the wicked when it comes. Why? Because the Lord will be your confidence, and he shall keep thy foot from being taken. Look, there's nothing that can happen to our lives as the children of God. Did you Remember what we talked about last week? It wasn't it so interesting that, that God allowed Laban to catch up to Jacob at all? Remember that? Last week we talked about that. God stops Laban and says, don't say anything bad or good to him. Why? Why couldn't God just said, look, Laban, you're done, and killed him right there. Chariot's falling off the cliff. God could have stopped Laban that way, but why did he allow Laban to catch up to Jacob? Remember what we talked about? An opportunity, a chance. Jacob had, in the grace of God, to choose to trust God and follow God. But we see in this running, he's fearing man. We see the only remedy for this, truly in our lives, to, to not acting foolishly, is to fear God so that we can act wisely. That we seek the things that God offers, the wisdom that he gives, and it only comes through his word and through fearing him. So the only time that our fear and our faith coincide is when they are in and of the Lord. That's the only time. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 5, get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, decline, uh, neither decline from the words of my mouth, forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee, shall guard thee. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding, exalt her, and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. She shall give to thy, he thy head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory shall she deliver thee. Hear, O my son. And receive my sayings, and the years of thy life shall be many. I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in right paths. When thou goest, thy steps shall not be straightened. And when thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble. Doesn't it sound like that's what we want in our lives? We want to be protected from evil. We want to have a, a path that's straight. We don't want to have a problem in our life. We want all these things in our life. And the only way to do that is to heed to the wisdom that God gives. It's to fear the Lord in his ways the other side of this this other side of, of fear being the beginning of wisdom and fear of god uh, fear of the lord being the beginning of wisdom and what we need in our lives is that we are to love the lord with our entire being to love others as, as ourselves why because faith in god and fear in god alone and the love of god all go hand in hand 
they're all married. The fear of God, the love of God, and faith in God all go hand in hand. So to do this, improper fear or fear misplaced, fear in anything else, can't be a factor. 1 John chapter 4. Beloved, let us love one another, verse 7. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, because God is love. In this was manifested the love of God towards us. Here's how God showed his love to, uh, to us. Because God sent his only begotten son in, into the world that we might live through him. Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the fulfillment of the payment for our sins. Well, loving, verse 11, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. It's a simple principle. If God loved us when we were unlovable, we are to love others even when they are unlovable. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he's given us of his spirit. Verse 14, and we have seen, and you testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God's love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. That's what he says. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There's no fear in love. But perfect love, complete love, casts out fear. Because fear has torment or punishment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. So if we are fearing the wrong thing or we have misplaced fear, then our love isn't right. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he's a liar because he, he, uh, he, he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God who is not seen? Verse 21, And this commandment have we from him that he who loveth God love his brother also. Proverbs 19, verse 3, look at it. The, foolish, the foolishest of man perverteth his way, and the heart fretteth, or it rages against the Lord. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. Romans chapter 8, verse 15. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. Remember that song we sing? We're no longer slaves to fear. Spirit of bondage again to fear, but, we, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, and heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Now listen, verse 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So, we cannot live or operate in improper fear, and have the right kind of love. We can't have the right kind of, if we have the wrong kind of love, we can't operate in the right kind of faith or in the right kind of fear of God. And without this, we can't be wise because the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And again, fear of faith and love, fear of God, faith and love all go hand in hand. So, when we operate in worry, and we operate with anxiety driving us and fear of other things driving us. The truth is the only thing that we can expect is foolish decisions, just like with Jacob. It's the only thing that we can expect. And if you've been a Christian for an amount of time and you, you have made decisions out of worry, anxiety, or fear, you know this is true. Foolish decisions result. So again, the only remedy, the only remedy to this is to fear and trust the Lord alone. It's, it's to say, you know what, God of all creation, he, he gave his son for me. He made me heirs with Christ, joint heirs with Christ. He made, he made me heirs. He, he, he is my God. He is, he is sovereign. He is, he is all powerful. There, there's nothing outside of, of God's control and his strength, and I'm his child. What have I to fear? I will put my trust, my faith, and my love in Christ alone. It's our only hope for wisdom. Is, I mean, I, I want to live my life making wise decisions so I don't have all these regrets and all these mess-ups later on in life. The only way for us to have wisdom is to fear the Lord. 
Not only that, it's to hope to love as he's commanded us. And ultimately, the only way to please him and to live victorious lives is to have these things as the driving force in our life. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Uh, I'm sorry, verse 4. I think I gave you 6. Can you go to 4? Yeah? No? Okay. Verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Verse 6, be careful for nothing. Be anxious. Be worried for nothing. Don't worry about anything that would cap. Don't do that. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So there's nothing that should come in our lives that says, I'm worried about this. I'm anxious about this. It doesn't mean that we're, we, we're numb to those things, that we don't have those type of feelings or those things don't, aren't introduced in our lives, but we're not supposed to act on those things. We're not supposed to go in fear of anything else other than the Lord. We're not supposed to act in worry or in anxiety. But he says, with everything you face, everything that would be introduced to you like this, you need to face it with prayer and supplication, with, supplication, with thanksgiving in your heart. And go to God like that. Let him know what your requests are. And look what the promise is in verse 7. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding. Look what it will do. It will keep, it will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Isn't that, isn't that an amazing promise? When, when, when fear, anxiety, worry, these things try to creep into our life, I'm worried about my job, I'm worried about my finances, I'm worried about my health, I'm worried about this, I'm worried about that. Look, those are real feelings, those are real things, but when we begin to make decisions and, and from those positions, we begin to make foolish decisions. But when we face these things and we, we feel these things, if we would say, you know what, God, thank you for the opportunity for me to come to you and ask you to help me during this time because I am worried about my health. I am worried about my job. God, I, I, I'm coming to you and I'm asking you for your help and I'm asking you, the all-wise God, to give me your wisdom to know how to take my next step, let alone face, face the next appointment or face the next day. God, I'm trusting you alone because I, tr I fear you alone and I love you. The promise is this, that, that our heart and our minds will be held in peace. A peace that somebody can look at our lives and say, how can you be so peaceful when everything in your life is falling down around you? When it seems like you've lost everything, how can you have peace? It passes understanding. Because you know what? I've turned to God. I've trusted Him. There's nothing I can do anyways. And if I do it like this, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess it up because I'm going to do it foolishly. Finally, think about this. Look, look, look at this verse. I love, I love this combination of verses, uh, verse 6 talks about not being anxious but let everything be done through prayer the promise in verse 7 that the peace of God will, will keep us that passes all understanding will keep our minds and our hearts and, and so look what he says again shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus it's something that God does that Jesus does all a, a limitless power that he does in this but look at verse 8 so he says finally brethren whatsoever things are look at that word right there whatsoever things are what true who is Satan he's the father of what lies, lies. And how does he get, he strikes fear into our lives many times, right? Through circumstances and people and all those, he, strike, he tries to strike terror. So Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, don't be driven by anxiety, fear, or worry. Don't do that. But turn to God, trust in God, go to God and ask God for help. And he'll give you everything you need to protect your mind and heart. And so what our job on the back side of this is to do, or the front side of this to do, is this. To think on things that are true. This is truth. Jesus in John 17, 17 said, Father, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. The only way for us to have peace, the only way for us to have confidence and trust and, and, and fear God rightly, the only way for us not to operate in anxiety, fear, or, or, or worry in this life, because again, remember, we're inundated. We're living in irony that, that, that we say, you know what, we're not supposed to fear, but everything in our life cultivates fear, worry, and anxiety. How are we supposed to get by? How are we supposed to not operate in fear, worry, and anxiety? Think on the truth. Don't think on the lies that the enemy says. Well, if you don't have this, you won't, you won't be happy. If you, if you don't do this, if you don't accomplish this, if you don't, if you don't see this, you don't do that, all, all these kind of things. Don't think on those things. Think on what is true. Whatsoever things are honest. 
What sort of things are just? What things are pure? What sort of things are lovely? What sort of things are of good report? If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Again, where are all those things found? The source of all those things is found in the Word of God. So what is our hope to not operate in fear, therefore make foolish decisions in our life, if we're not constantly in the Word of God and thinking on the things that God told us to think on? We have no hope. There's no hope at all. Because you're going to turn on the news, you're going to listen to your neighbor, you're going to talk to your coworker, you're going to hear all these things, and, and, and you're going to hear what the boss says, and you're going to, you're, you're going to look at what the, 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 the doctor told you, and, and all these things, and, and anxiety and fear and worry are going to start gripping you, and you're going to start making decisions in your life, you're going to start, even if they're small decisions, maybe big decisions in your life, and you're not once going to even think about what God says, and what God's declared, and what God's promised, and experience the peace that only God offers in the middle of all of it. Well, I've read the Bible before. I even know the verses you're using today. He says, meditate on these. Think on these things. Preach them over and over and over to yourself every day. Every day, the promises of God, the truth of God. Think on these things. And then Paul says, don't just think on them, but put them into action as well. Verse 9, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. Again, you have to know what to think rightly. You have to know what right thinking is. You have to know the right direction. You have to know. You have to be in the Word of God before you know what to do rightly. So to do rightly, you have to think rightly. And again, it's found in the Word of God. And the result of that, the result of thinking rightly and then doing rightly, what's the result of it? Look at the rest of that verse. And the peace of God shall be with you. That's what we're wanting in this life, right? That, that, that's what we want. We want peace throughout this, this, tribula this, this life full of tribulation that Jesus promised. In this world you shall have tribulation. Through all the affliction, through all the struggle, as Paul even mentioned in, in Romans chapter 8, that he talked about in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, afflictions and struggles in this life, and, and amidst all of these things, and all these things that cultivate fear and, and worry and anxiety in our life, what do we want? I just want to get up and, ha and have a peaceful day. The only way for us to have that is to have right fear of God, to have our love right, our trust right, all those things. And the only way for us to do that is to think right things. The only way to find those right things is in the Word of God. The only way for us to do right things is to think right things, and all of that's found in God's Word. And the result will be the wisdom that only God gives and the peace that passes understanding. That's it. So you're saying, Brother Kyle, the answer to all of the problems in my life is the Word of God. I, I'm, again, I'm not going to say there, there are physiological things, there are, there are neurochemical things, there are, there's no doubt. You know, we've got a headache. A lot of times we, we want to, you know, we'll take ibuprofen, we'll take medicine. There's, there's things out there in, in this world uh, that I believe with medicine God has blessed us with. No, no question about it. Look, if something happens to my leg, uh, and, and, and it just folds underneath me. I want to go to the hospital and be able to get an x-ray. And if a doctor says, look, we need to operate on your leg, I want to be able to use that. I just, I'll, I'll just shake it off. We were, we were talking to somebody, I just rubbed dirt in it, you know. I don't want to rub dirt in it. I want, I want a doctor to do something to fix it, you know. I was reading, I went to a, a conference, and um, the uh, interesting thing is, is, is this minister, uh, he's a Christian counselor as well, he said, um, you know, we, we use medicine for everything. And, and the study of the brain and the mind is so far behind the medicine for the rest of the body. And what, what they found in even treating problems in the brain and in the mind has become rev revolutionary in, in, in today's technology. So again, I'm not saying there's not a, a, a neurochemical, there's not a, a biological aspect to some of these things, but here is where I think we get off. I think we forsake this way too much as the people of God. And we will sit and watch hours of movies and TV and Netflix and Hulu and whatever else is out there. We'll, we'll, we'll do all of these things, but we won't preach to ourselves. We won't, we won't rehearse the promises, the truth that's found in the Word of God so that our thinking is right, so that in turn our acting will be right. Our doing will be right. Our actions will be right. 
So again, we live in this state where we may not necessarily need medicine to treat. Maybe it does need medicine to treat. Absolutely. But sometimes it's not. Sometimes we go from day to day worried about other things, worried, put, putting confidence in other things other than God and His Word. Back in our, in our, in our text, in Genesis 31, verse 32, With whomsoever, whomsoever thou findest thy gods, let him not live. This is Jacob talking. Before our brethren discern thou what is thine with me, and take it to thee. He says, look, uh, okay, if someone's stolen your gods, then here's the death sentence on them. And if you find something that's yours, take it. It's no big deal. But he pronounced a, a death sentence on the person who took the gods, right? Look what the next st statement says. Jacob didn't know that Rachel had stolen them. Uh-oh. <laughs> Remember, Jacob, uh, Rachel was the one that Jacob wanted all along. He comes in, Laban tricks him, he marries Leah, uh, he has to work another seven years, gets Rachel, and he doesn't even realize now that his beloved wife, who has finally given him a child, who, by the way, again, is Joseph, that's where our study's going, He doesn't realize that he just pronounced the death sentence on her life. Whoever you find the gods with, uh, they'll die. Verse 33. So Laban went into Jacob's tent and went into Leah's tent and into the two maidservants' tents, but he didn't find them there. Then he went out of Leah's tent and entered into Rachel's tent. Now look what happens in verse 34. Apple doesn't fall too far from the tree right here, verse 34. Now Rachel had taken the images and put them in the camel's furniture and sat upon them. They say, huh, that's interesting. It's even more interesting. Listen, Laban searched all the tent and found him not. She said to her father, let it not displease my Lord that I cannot rise up before thee. Why? Because the custom of women is upon me. Anybody know what that means? Yes. Thank you. Okay. Because we don't speak uh, King James Old English anymore, right? I think everybody in the room, pretty much everybody in the room understands the custom of women was upon her, right? So what the interesting thing about this is, is that he searches, not under the camel, not under her, because that, that's just not going to happen. But he didn't find the images. So while it appears that Jacob and Rachel gets away with this, I believe they've missed it altogether. They have missed the whole point. Again, they've run in fear. Now Rachel is, is panicking, and she's making foolish decisions. She hears what her husband says. She hides these idols underneath her, her camel's saddle and because she knows, look, he's not going to ask me to get down. He's not going to want to look for them. If I tell him, it's that time of month. <laughs> Welcome. No, no, no. no. But they missed it. And, and what I'm talking about is I believe they, they missed that opportunity, that chance that God had given them that we talked about last week that I mentioned this morning. So with this, I believe that fear does something else. And it's point number two, that fear promotes falsehood. Not only... Uh, does it produce foolishness and fear so when we operate i'm afraid i'm going to miss out on something I, I'm, I'm afraid that that i'm missing something i'm afraid that uh, this I'm, I'm worried about that i'm worried about losing this i'm worried about losing that and we operate like that it produces folly but not only does it produce folly but it also promotes falsehood or deceit out of fear improper fear still rachel deceives not only her father but again what did the scripture say jacob didn't know what she had done. She had deceived her husband. And with this, ironically, you know what she does by putting these, these false gods underneath, that, sitting on them? You know, you know what she does? According to Leviticus 15, she desecrates them. They become unclean. It's a pretty big mess, which again is ironic because they're, we talked about that last week at all. You can't run to God with the idols in your hand. And if idols can be stolen, or if little gods can be stolen, are they really gods at all? No. God cannot be stolen. So it's interesting, in, in this deceit, in this, this action, these idols are even desecrated. I mentioned a little bit uh, at the beginning 
that there's this song that Christian is out on Christian radio, and I think believe uh, I believe Brother Nosh has sang it here. The name of it is "Fear Is a Liar." It's so true. Fear not only preaches lies to the person who it's 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 held captive by, but it causes them to abandon faith, abandon sincere love, abandon true wisdom from God, and it cultivates deception from without and within. Think about what happened with what the serpent did with Eve. While he played on the lust of the flesh, he played on the, the lust of the eyes, and he played on the pride of life, I believe that he used a little bit of fear, if not a lot of fear, in that last category, the pride of life. He used it to get them to fear that they were missing out on something, right? And and rather than just trusting the truth of God's word, God said they embraced the fear and therefore promoted the lies and the falsehood, the deception. Look at it again. Many of you are familiar with the story of Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent is more subtle than any of the beasts of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, the serpent says to the woman, Yea, did God really say that you, you, you should not eat of, of the tree of the, every tree of the garden? So here he is right here, the enemy, Satan, the enemy of God, who's still the enemy of God today, our enemy today. He introduces this doubt. He introduces this fear in this question. Did, did God really say it? This is another reason it's vital for us to know God's word. It's vital for you and I today to know what God said because when the, when the enemy, when Satan comes and he begins to whisper lies through people and through circumstances, you have to know what God's word says because if you don't, you'll begin to do exactly what Eve did who was sinless at this point. Huh. Ooh. Maybe I missed something that God said. Look, I don't know about you, but I, I don't pretend to know everything that God has said or everything God intended in what he said I don't, I don't pretend to know all of God's word, but I will say this this morning. I want to know all of God's word. I want to know what God meant, what God says. I want to know all of it. Why? Because I don't want to ever be deceived like I've been deceived before. I want to learn from the, I, I want to be at a place where I say, you know what? No, 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 no. God's word says this. No matter what circumstance, no matter what person, no matter what comes against and preaches fear, or doubt, or worry, I want to know what God's Word says. So that's why we've got to be in it regularly. Who are we not to believe lies and embrace the fear and embrace the doubt and embrace the anxiety and worry today if Eve, again, a sinless woman at this point in time, couldn't resist Satan? Who are we? The Word of God is our only source of faith, the Bible says. In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. It's the only way that we're going to have faith, not only for salvation, but faith to walk in in, in obedience. Remember Philippians chapter 4, think on these things. It's our only source. Look on in verse 2, Genesis 3, I'm about to to wrap it up. The woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the the fruit of the trees of the garden. We can, but the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it. uh, Neither shall ye touch it. Don't even touch it, don't eat it, lest you die. The serpent said unto the woman, you should not surely die. God just created you. Can you see that? Huh. That's true. I mean, God just breathed. And, and, I mean, he told us what he did. He, he breathed into Adam's, Adam's nostrils the, the breath of life, and then he took the rib out, and he made me, and he just gave us life. You're right, Serpent. Maybe, maybe we won't die. <gasps> Wait, what are we missing out on? He goes and plays on this. For God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes will be opened. And you'll be God's. And you'll know between good and evil. That's why God said that. You're not going to die. He just created you. He just gave you life. God's keeping something from you. You're missing out on something. You won't have something that you could have. Right? That's what happens sometimes in our life still. You don't have something you need. You don't have something you want. You're missing out on something that other people have. 
You're going to operate off of that versus faith. Again, what's attacked was the Word of God, the source of life, the source of faith, and the help against fear and the doubt and the sin and the deception. Remember how Jesus faced the enemy's attacks in his lives, in his, in his tricks? He, came, he was tempted in, in the wilderness. And, and how did Jesus battle against Satan at that point in time? He was the incarnate word battling with the word of God. So look what happened when these doubts permeate a sinless woman's life. She didn't stay standing on God's word. She didn't say, you know what? No, serpent, get away from me. God did say this. This is truth. And we trust God more than what you're saying we're missing out on. We trust God more than what we're worried about that we don't have. We trust God's word more than anything else. And so we will not go down that road of worry or fear. Verse 6, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it looked good. It was pleasant to the eyes and, 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 and to be desired to make one wise. What am I missing? Maybe he's right. It, I mean, think about this. God said, don't touch that tree, but it's beautiful. And it looks like it's great fruit. I mean, this, this is something that, why would God keep this from us? She took, the, took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also to her husband with her, with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and they made themselves aprons. What? Why were they doing that? It gets, it gets even more. It gives us details on why they were doing it. They heard the voice of the, voice of the Lord, and, uh, Lord God in the, in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife, hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Isn't that interesting? No one had ever told them. There, and of course, we know that we know the, the, the story goes on in verse 9. Um, the Lord God called an Adam and he said, where, where are you? God knew where he was. And he said, I heard the vo- thy voice in the garden and I was, what? What's that word? I was afraid. Adam, created by God. To, to have dominion over everything God created, to, to tend to the garden, all these things, he was afraid. And he began to try to foolishly hide himself and his wife from God. This deception. I was afraid, and so I hid myself because I was naked. You know, the story God says, Who told you you're naked? I didn't even know that word, Adam. <laughs> Fear promotes falsehood. As the musicians come in our study, while they seem to get away with this here, you know, Jacob and, and, and Rachel, they seem to kind of get away with it. They've, they've tricked Laban. The gods are there. He's like, hey, sorry, man. Looks like you messed up. You got the wrong people. We'll get into that next week or whatever. But we learn something valuable about fear, worry, and anxiety that it has no place in our lives except for the fear of the Lord. When this is right, everything else falls into place. The charge, therefore, this morning to battle fear is this, to immerse our lives in the Word of God, to know what God says to be able to think on what God says, to be able to do rightly according to God. Of course, this is coupled with the the comforter, the comforter of our souls, the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? Again, Again, we know that there are neurochemical issues that come up in our lives, even as believers. So, So with all these realities in our lives, we have to daily... Run and cling to the word of God, thinking on these things that God has given us, obeying them. And I promise you this, because I can promise you on the word of God. If we do that, then we'll find more often that we're living in wisdom. That we're making choices that are wise according to God, that are pleasing to God. That we'll we'll have that favor of God in our lives, that, that we're living in truth and sincerity and not deception and falsehood. And we'll find from day to day... We've got this peace that's protecting our hearts and our minds because I'm not operating in fear, not operating in worry and anxiety. I'm I'm operating in trust and fear and love of God. So this morning, I want to encourage you. Maybe you're you're struggling with something. Maybe you say, I've been worried about this for so long. 
I want to encourage you. The Bible says to take that to the Lord and to think on the things that God has said that are true and right. Operate in the fear of God so that you can have the beginning of wisdom. Make sure that you're turning to God's word and standing on it above everything else. Because fear is a liar. Satan will come along and and he'll, he'll deceive us, I believe, so much easier than he even did Eve. We've got to know what God's word says. Maybe you struggle this morning with, with that. They say, you know, I don't, I don't even, I don't read my Bible faithfully. I'm not in God's word every day. I read a verse here or there. Or maybe you do that. They say, I, I read a, a verse that, that pops up on my phone every day and that's about it. No, 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 no. Get in the word of God so you can think on the things that are true and that are pure and that are right. So when the enemy comes along and that stuff comes along, you can say, no, God's word says this. And this is what I'm going to do. If you're here this morning, you've never called on the name of the Lord for salvation. You've never said, you know what, I'm a sinner. I've heard that Jesus died on the cross, but I've never surrendered my life to him. I invite you to come this morning and let someone show you in Scripture how you can know that heaven will be your eternal home. Because the alternative is hell. I invite you to come. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you again for this opportunity to be in your word. Thank you for this reminder this morning. Lord, we live in a, in a culture where so much pressure is on us. There's, there's so much fear and, and worry stirred. Even, even when we turn on the news, if, if we're not careful, we could be carried away with, with fear and worry and anxiety. Lord, we can, we can begin to make our decisions based off of that. We can even get on social media and, and, and say things out of fear or worry. Or we can talk to our neighbors and our coworkers and, and, and come from that place versus a place of peace, a place of wisdom because our fear is of you alone. God, we live in a culture that also glorifies fear in certain ways. Media and entertainment, amusement parks and, and such. Lord, help us be people of the book. Help us to be the people that turn to you every day, knowing what you've said and thinking on those things. Lord, having our faith, having our confidence in you alone. And I pray that you would move this morning and that you'd be glorified in our response. We'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.